It's time for the show that brings the magic right to your speakers. Ears up! Hey, welcome everybody. Ears up podcast. Here we are, middle of November, and uh, already I feel the Christmas spirit. Yes. Feel the Christmas spirit flowing through me. Throwing, flowing through me. Have you started decorating the house for Christmas? Well, you know what, Jeremy? It's funny you mentioned that. Also, welcome to the show, Jeremy. Uh, You're filling in for both Bev and Terrence. So you have two very big shoes to fill. Oh, four shoes? Well, two big shoes and two medium-sized shoes. You know. Um, I, well, okay. So we have a, a, a fake Christmas tree. And it's uh, out. And it's out. I put it up today. <laughs> However, oh we still have all of our Halloween decorations out as well. Our house is just very confused. It's true. Hmm. That's true. So, uh, you know, I mean, I like Christmas, but uh, t- uh, Taryn, uh, Alice is very excited about Christmas. She doesn't really understand Christmas, really. She just knows that she's going to get stuff. Right. I think, right? It's like, oh, Christmas, but it's also she gets excited about a thing that she doesn't understand because we get excited when she gets excited. So it's like sh- it's an empty shell of an idea of Christmas, you know? Right. That's what I think. But, um, yeah, so I'm like just do, looking for something to do with her and like something to sort of like feed her energy. Uh, and I was like, well, we could put the Christmas tree up here. Oh, <gasps> yeah, let's do it. And she was like super excited and um, it was really nice. Yeah, well, when you're that small, a big, lit up, beautiful tree in your house is like kind of a wonder. A wonder. Yeah, and then she's like, "It's glowing in the dark." It's like, <laughs> no, those are just lights, <laughs> dummy. <laughs> well, it is glowing, and it is. Dark. It is. She's well, right. she's Valid right, but yes, okay, sure, Jeremy, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> anyway, so that's that's the Christmas spirit so far around here. I wouldn't. I, I don't think I want to go too. No. Because she's like, when can we decorate it? I'm like, let's pump the brakes <laughs> on this. This is too fast already. I'm already moving too fast. I'm already out of my, I'm like two weeks out of my comfort zone. Because you get sick of it. And you don't want to get sick of it. You want to be a little sad that you're putting Christmas away. Not that, not where you're like, God, <laughs> not thankful. I can't wait. Yeah. Get this out of here. yeah. <laughs> I'm glad it's March 15th. I can put Christmas away finally. Yeah. <laughs> let's just get this out of here. Woo. Yeah. You're like on the Disney World schedule. You've got Christmas up early. I know. Didn't the Disney World Christmas tree just go up today or yesterday or something Uh, like that? Disneyland as well. Disneyland. Yeah. See? So there you go. I do it in in, in time for the uh, parks. Maybe that's the new rule is like you cannot put up your Christmas stuff until Disneyland does. Once they do, you know, on November 1st, you're good. Yeah, I I guess. I don't know. We're not doing Christmas music yet. Although... Taryn did hear her first holiday um, commercial online. It, did. it was on a, yeah, it was on a, a radio station. Oh, a, geez. A Pandora oh, or something. Wow. I was like, oh, here we are. Speaking of radio stations, Jeremy, aren't you like in full Christmas mode? Monday the 15th. Monday the 15th. Christmas music will begin to be played. I'm not going to go all at once, but you're going to start to hear it hear it trickle its way into the mix. I appreciate that. At least, is there like going to be a Christmas hour that we can sort of start priming ourselves for? I'll do a Christmas hour. You know what it is? It's like any any kind of music that's very solemn 
you know, solemn uh-huh. Christmas music. I can't play that in November. Like, no one wants to be hearing Silent Night on Veterans Day. No. That's true. No. You know, like, if it's more of, like, a party kind of Christmas song, like, okay, I can I can get on board with that if it's mixed up a little bit. But, yeah. you know, I don't want to be hearing, oh, come all ye faithful and carving the Christmas turkey, the, the Thanksgiving turkey. <laughs> yeah. So I try, to f- I try to give it a bit of a flow to when the f- music gets put on the station. I hear you. I appreciate yeah. that as a thank you as a consumer of uh, of not only your station but Christmas music in general. Yeah, I appreciate that. I'm assuming that throughout the holidays, Illuminations will still have its four block, its four hour block, right? <laughs> no, it's extended to eight hours during the holidays <laughs> as my gift to you. Please, on April first, please just play that entire show, twenty four hours. The pre-show and all that, just uh, please do. Yeah, that. but I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's gonna be the Trader Sam's hour, so <laughs> you will be scurrying to that radio, and then it'll be the the ears Jared. up. We're gonna be Jason from Ears Up will be guest hosting a, a special 24 hour live April, and then just me acting like a schmuck, going I don't know why I'm not on. Jeremy, what's up? And it's just the ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, illuminations, <laughs> reflections of Earth. <laughs> oh God! It sounds so good. It really does. Even well, when you do it, spe- wow! Thanks. Um, <laughs> speaking of illuminations, we are supposed to be interviewing Don Dorsey, who was yes. the, uh, I guess, like producer and d- director. I don't actually really fully know everything he did. He produces nighttime spectaculars. Nighttime spectaculars, of which illuminations, uh, the Main Street Electrical Parade refresh in like the late seventies, bunch of other stuff. But he got sick. We were supposed to do the show last week. He got sick. We postponed the show till today. And he contacted us yesterday. And he's like, look, uh, this cough still sucks. I'm paraphrasing because I'm sure Don Dorsey is much more of a prolific communicator than I am. <laughs> um, and he's like, I just, it's not going away. And I just thought it would be a little better. What are our options? I'm like, well, I've had this like post nasal thing happening for like two months. So I can edit around anything. If it makes, if that's fine with you, if you're comfortable with it, but if you're not, I want you to have a good time also. So I'm uh, whatever you want to do. And he was like, let's just wait. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> so we just had to, we had to, um, we had to record today. So I apologize. I've been, I've been pushing out that we've had Don Dorsey now for the last two weeks, but, uh, I feel confident that the man's getting better yes. and his cough will go away and he will be on the show. And it's actually kind of, you know, good timing because I, it allows me to, really think about questions I have for him. And the hard part about Don's career is that it's so why, I mean, just even, even how he got into uh, working with Disney and doing nighttime spectaculars and whatever is a show in and of itself. I guess if you want to get, you know, um, too into the weeds, like who's the, the voice of Disneyland, Jeremy, what's his name? Jack, Jack Wagner, Jack Wagner, Don Dorsey worked with Jack Wagner, Jack Wagner discovered Don Dorsey. Oh, wow. And brought him in. <laughs> and they recorded I mean, all this stuff in Jack Wagner's uh, living room. Like, Jack Wagner didn't go into the studio to record all the sounds, all the voiceovers for not only the parks, but for the characters. I mean, he was Chip and Dale, and he was like a handful of characters. He would just do that at home. Wow. Jeremy's losing it. I And I have to tell you, I so I, I have to say, I know it's disappointing that he's not here tonight, but when you told me he wasn't going to be on, I actually felt relief. Yeah, I like. I was yeah. like, "Oh my god, good!" Because I can't. I'm so nervous. <laughs> this guy is probably, I, I probably the one person who I want to talk to. 
Like, I don't think you could name another person in the history of the Disney organization besides Walt himself, who I would mm-hmm. rather ask questions of. So, and actually, because we were supposed to record it last week and I was busy and I was really, I was like, oh, thank God I can't go on the show because I'm too <laughs> nervous to talk to him. I can't. Aww. So then you were like, you have to do it. And I was like, oh, they moved it. <laughs> Well, and that's like, why you're here because Terrence and Bev are in Disneyland right now, and they're like, "Well, we can't make him." Like, I need Jeremy here then, and so you coming on the show, I felt better. Oddly enough, we're just you know the yin and yang of your own emotions. Where it's like I felt better that I felt relief that you were going to be on because you're more musically inclined. That's a, 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 a subset of the human mind that I, I I have a hard time understanding or empathizing with is like musicians and like how you come up with stuff. Cause I just feel like all my questions are gonna be like, how do you, how did you do that? That must've been really hard, bro. And that's, you know, and that's <laughs> it. And it's like, but there's so much I want. So I might even have to do maybe try to get like a pre-show phone call with him just to see what, because I mean, coming up with a nighttime spectacular, producing a nighttime spectacular, how do you, I don't know. How do you do that? That he could probably talk forty five minutes on just that. But I also want to talk about all this right. other stuff. So anyway, it's a hard well, thing. I don't think he's a musician. I'm sure he relates to music, but I don't think that he specifically is a musician. He yeah, he is a musician. He is. Yeah. Oh God. Like he started working on the the thing that Disney did for like the bicentennial America Sings, I think. America on Parade. America on Parade. Yeah. He started working on that when he was in college, I think, or even oh senior year of high school. Like he was a big uh he was like one of the first people around the area to like have a synthesizer, like a Moog synthesizer. He was like programming is it's a whole thing. Like it's just it's amazing. The guy was just is starting his career in high school or like the first part of college. That's so working cool. with the voice of Disneyland. It's I'm neat. so scared of him. I think he's gonna hate us. He probably will. That's probably why he's <laughs> that's probably why he it's called the ears up cough. <laughs> That's what happens. <laughs> He's going, I got a, th- I got a thing. Yeah, yeah. I listened to one of your shows and it won't leave me. Oh no! No, it'll be uh, no I don't think he would think that. I, do no. you think he listened to a show? Oh, no, I don't think so. I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? I mean, look, we've been around for a long time. We're almost. This is show one ninety five of just this show. We have a lot of content out there. Who we, knows? It's hit or miss. Yeah. <laughs> Who can really tell? But you know what? If uh, Tom Amin came on. I feel like Don Dorsey will come on too. I don't know why. I'm just sure. I actually thought about asking Tom on too, but then then I'm just getting another man to do my work for me again. <laughs> anyway, yeah, you, I, yeah, yeah. I think it was a good move. Don Dorsey will Not come that I on. Love Tom, I mean, I just think you don't want to like put too many people in front of him at once. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's just a lot of pressure on Tom because then it's like now he has to feel like he has to perform for us. It's just it's yeah. too many layers. It kind of takes away from Don. Yeah. I'm also working on um, another guest, another musical guest, um, whose father was uh, is Stan Freeze, who was one of the leaders of the Disneyland band. His son's name is Josh Freeze, and he's a big uh, he's a big rock and roller. He's a big punk rock uh, drummer. I've been listening to his music forever, and I got this email, and I'm like. Yeah, y- yes, one hundred percent, yes. And and the the uh, one of his people, the lady, whatever, I forget her name. Um, he's like, oh, he's a big Disneyland guy. Like, played on the Tomorrowland stage in the eighties as a kid, and like, oh, wow. is you know, just I'm like, I don't, I don't know what I want to talk to him about, but I just want to talk to him about that. And it's probably going to devolve into just punk rock music for like fifteen minutes because that's sort <laughs> of like that's where I know the guy from. Yeah. So anyway, cool. interesting stuff, man. So we got. Oh, hopefully, we can close out this year. 
with uh, guests, but the problem is like he's touring in Europe right now, and it's like our dates aren't matching up, and it's just it's this like <laughs> both of these guys have to keep push out and rearrange some stuff, but we'll get there and it'll be fine. Yeah. Anyway, you can find us on social media, you guys: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest. Um, maybe I should probably just ask Bev if she's still doing that, and she'll she's just not. be no. Yeah. Okay. Great. So, really, just Instagram. How about that? Any feedback on the show goes to Taryn at EarsUp-Podcast.com. Show suggestions, Terrence at EarsUp-Podcast.com. You can say hi. Hi. To Bev. Anything <laughs> else? Me, Jason, EarsUp-Podcast.com. You guys, in case you didn't know, Disneyland is open, and there are rumors that they're going to be expanding um, the amount of people let in that park. Uh, right now, the holiday parties are going on. So if you're going to the parks at all, ears.com that's your best way to do it you don't need to worry about how you're going to plan for uh, meals and how you're going to go park hopping and what time is the best time to do that and all that kind of stuff and even how do i figure out this this genie plus thing concierge not only will book your tickets and book all that stuff for you but they'll tell you how to do the disney uh, the disney genie thing if you need to do disney genie plus how the single rider lines are working or not or the reservation systems anything i feel like so much at the parks has changed and then changed again, even in the last six months that uh, I have no idea. And I do this for, you know, for a living. So uh, concierge.com, go there. They will uh, help you buy your tickets. They will actually book reservations for you. So all you have to do is just enjoy your trip. It's funny. I've had um, three completely separate parties of people ask me, hey, I know there's a lot of things that are different at Disneyland post COVID. Um, what do I do? And I'm like, you call concierge. Yeah. Like, I really have no clue. I have no clue right now. But I know who you can call. So hopefully I've sent a few people your guys' way because uh, literally no clue. Yeah, anymore. absolutely. And it's also, you know, Disney World, Disney Cruises. Disneyland's just a, a small facet of that, but, uh, you know, still there. Um, let's see. The Discord channel. You can come to the Discord channel if you want. Send me an email. I'll get you on there. And, uh, you know, it's a whole lot of fun. If you want to support the show, Etsy.com slash shop slash Coveyers. That's a good way to get t-shirts and um, you know, I think I have a sweatshirt up there and we have a couple masks up there. I should probably do some other you know different kind of merch. But for the most part, well, we also have Coveyers too if you want to upgrade your Disney hat. But anyways, buy a t-shirt, support the show. The best way to do it though is joining Patreon. Go to Patreon.com slash shop. Uh, I'm doing too much. I'm sorry. Patreon.com slash ears up. That's the best way to support the show. You sign up for as little as two bucks a month if you want, but at five bucks, you start getting some stuff like access to the secret show. Uh, you get discounts on our Etsy store. Uh, you actually get a commercial free RSS feed for each of the shows that we have. So if you're listening to the show, and you're like, man, these guys just keep pumping commercials in, you know, before the show and after the show or whatever. If you don't like that, which I understand, go to Patreon. Become a Patreon supporter. You get the the RSS feed for as long as you're a Patreon supporter. So that's a great way to help us and uh, and help your ears as well. Because, look, no one likes commercials, but, you know, we have a way around it. And that's just, I don't know what to do. <laughs> um, before we get uh, to the actual show, which is what, Taryn? Uh, the history of Buzz Lightyear's Astro Blasters. That's right. I love this ride. I think this ride's great. And uh, I was shocked to hear that there was actually a history of it. Yeah, I know. Me yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> right. Same. Um, I want to bring up that we're re-watching the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. Yeah, join us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, <I> just, <laughs> and but it's interesting because, like, you know, we have Disney Plus again, and we were watching um, 
or I'm like looking online because I think the, the order we did it in the first time, I think it's like the spaghetti order. It's like all these nerds have these different special orders that you can watch them in of like who's introduced first or, you know, the release order or whatever. But anyway, a lot of people are saying, and I talked to, uh, to Anthony, my nephew, Anthony, who's, uh, you know, working on the, the Marvel adventures game, right. From sabers and superpowers. Um, he was like, the timeline order is just sort of the best way to do it. It's not the release order, but it's the, 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 the actual like MCU timeline. Okay, sure. You go on Disney Plus, they have all the movies in the timeline order. They also have it in like release date order too. So Disney's actually really smart in the fact that they know people want to watch this different ways. Just throw it in like a, you know, queue for them. So you can go timeline order, release order, and I think that's cool. It really, it's really been helpful. It really shocked me that they were that um like with the times that they yeah. would even Somebody over there thought that that would be something people wanted. I was shocked because it is. Me too. (laughs) The downside of that is there are some movies on there that are on the the timeline order that aren't on Disney Plus. Like the Incredible Hulk movies aren't on there. Oh. Um, I think there's another one actually that's not on there. The Spider-Man. The Spider-Mans aren't on there. So you have to find you have to kind of figure out how to how to find those but it's like Captain America because that takes place during World War 2 and then the next one the second movie was Captain Marvel because that takes place in 1995 and then Iron Man takes place in 2010 and like that's the timeline order we're talking about so unfortunately we had to watch Captain Marvel again Ugh. but um unfortunately we had to watch Captain America again too yeah and that's sort of what I want to talk about cuz Captain America you you didn't like the first time. You hated it. Hated I would say it. that. Hated the second time, what did you think? Because a part of me thought you hated the movie because you didn't fully understand the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like what everything sort of meant and all the stuff that you see after that. It sort of gets set up by that movie. Did it change your mind at all? Um, I well, first I agree with you. I thought that I I hated it because I didn't understand as well. Mm-hmm. Um. Turns out that was not the case. I went into it again with with bigger and open eyes and an open heart, and I left it. <laughs> well, it um, get you to the hospital then. That's not good. <laughs> heart should be a closed system. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Um, I did not love it. I did not. I, I I wouldn't say I hated it. I liked it um, five ten percent more. Um, okay, that's good. It's the guy, the Chris Evans. Yeah, I just he. He's like watching a log. <laughs> like I just This there, is my log. <laughs> oh, yeah. Exactly. It's just there it, it, maybe it's his character but I I just there's no substance to his acting. There's no He's very reserved with his It's with his more emotions. than that for me. It's more than mm. reserved. It's it's dull. It's there's okay. there's zero emotion. And and then I thought that it couldn't get any worse. And then we watch Captain Marvel, <laughs> and those two are two peas in the pod. They might as well be the same actor. Like, and I know that I'm I'm probably the only one who thinks this, but th- those two just I don't know how they got those parts to be in, in these huge, enormously budgeted films with that level of acting, and I, just I I don't see it. Especially with her. I'm sorry, but she is awful. She can't even deliver a line. She can't even deliver the line okay. Like, <laughs> oh. Liter- um, oh, we'll get there. Don't worry about it. What's her name? Don't worry about it. We'll get there for a second. But what I want to bring up is, you know, in the middle of the movie, actually it was t- towards the end, 
I check in with you and I'm like, how are you? Uh, how you doing? She goes, I just, this whole movie's unbelievable. I just, I can't figure out how people actually buy into this. I'm like, well, what do you mean? And it's an action scene. So I'm not like worried about it. You know, I'm not going to miss anything. I've already seen it a couple times. She goes, well, it's just, it's hard to believe like people can accept like superheroes, but, uh, or, 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 you know, but they're, they're, they're accepting that there's, I don't know, all this tech that wasn't around back then. I go, well, what are you talking about? I mean, you know, it's the Tesseract and it's the Red Skull thing and whatever. She goes, well, like motorcycles. In the war. I've never seen motorcycles in any war movies. I didn't know that they and, used them in And my, the, in my lovely war. wife didn't know that in World War II they were motorcycles. And that was, that was her biggest, that was her biggest example up to that point about why the movie was unbelievable. And I just, I had to share it with everybody. <laughs> my life first of all those i've seen motorcycles from the 40s these were not those you are correct and i know that's probably what you were talking about however right like you had to crank those in the front before they started right, <laughs> right. The, the the vexing part about the timeline was they, they was not the superpowers rocket <laughs> but it was the uh and then we noticed something else and i want to let's play a fun game is this uh the red skull or is this nandor clip time let's see <laughs> Not a very good one. But uh, here's what I want to say. Let's put it this way. Let's try another one. Yeah, stupid. Okay, whatever. Um, I guess we realize that the Red Skull sort of sounds like Nandor from what we do in the shadows. Here's here's some Nandor talking. I was a very ferocious soldier in the Ottoman Empire, which meant a lot of killing. I was relentless. They would call me Nandor the Relentless because I just never relent. Anyway... <laughs> Um, is that why? <laughs> uh, next time you watch Captain America and the Red Skull scenes come on, the guy's a great actor, but it's like now that I've, my mind has been poisoned from Nandor, every time you don't see the actor actually delivering his lines, I just think of Nandor. Like, this is Nandor talking. Totally. Yeah. Give and me the gun. <laughs> I've offended people in the chat, and I'm sorry, but yeah, he he's awful. Well, and then we talked, and then we had to watch Captain Marvel, which yeah. uh, don't worry, we're almost done, everybody. <laughs> um, we turned off after the first 20 minutes uh, watching that movie originally, the, yeah, because it was awful. And Brie Larson and Chris Evans are sort of made for each other because, like, you you they can neither of them can really act. They're yeah. both pretty awful. I will say the movie was. A little bit better than I had imagined mm-hmm. at some point, but it's still like you don't. It's just a wolf movie. You don't need to really ever. Nobody needs to watch it. Well, you you weren't you you kept defending Chris Evans. You didn't mm. mind Chris Evans. It I didn't defend him. I didn't mind him necessarily. And I tried to ex- maybe explain a little bit about like he was a shy guy. That was his like thing. So he's not used to being whatever. Um, maybe potentially, I don't know. Like for him, it also really sexist. No, I'm kidding. No, but like for, for for that character, just seemed like more of a choice because like he, he didn't have any like comedy lines or anything like that. Right. Brie Larson had had, had no some comedy lines, and she just like her eyes like never never wrinkled. It's like when you get like a expensive pair of shoes and you don't want to crease them. It's like that. It's like she got an expensive eye job and she doesn't want to. She doesn't want lines, so she's not going to even uh, smirk a little bit or raise an eyebrow, but she'll maybe half a smile. And then she'll walk off, and it's like, okay, well, that was a that was a choice you made. I feel like we were just watching the uh, her like audition tapes, yeah. And they go, "This is great, green screen it, cut it in, perfect, done." Yeah. All right, baby, that's five months ahead of schedule. We did it. 
Yeah. I don't trust anyone named after cheese. <laughs> Um, but anyway, uh, Iron Man, Iron Man 2, we're going to watch Incredible Hulk next, but I'm disappointed because it's the um, Edward Norton Incredible Hulk, mm-hmm. which isn't very good. But these are the, look, this is what you have but to Edward do. But Edward Norton is great. I do like him, though. Yeah, but I like the other guy, Mark Ruffleberger or whatever. Ruffalo. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, guys, that's that's the rant on the MCU. So look forward to more uh, amazing commentary in the future. The 21st Amendment Brewery's latest beer release, Tropical Brew Free or Die IPA, puts an island vacation in their whimsically designed cans. That's right, cans. This refreshing year-round release, Tropical IPA, is brewed with pale and Munich malts, brimming with a Zaka, Citra Cryo, and Mosaic hops, and topped with a splash of pineapple flavor. The result is a clean, refreshing beer featuring a mix of sweet malt, balanced bitterness, fruit-forward hops, and a nice tropical vacation at the finish. Tropical Brew for Your Die IPA is available at your local good beer shop, neighborhood tap room, and anywhere else people come together to find great craft beer. Jeremy, Green Lantern is friggin' DC Comics, first of all. In the chat, Mr. P goes, who's Spectro's favorite Marvel <laughs> character? And he goes, Green Lantern. <laughs> good job, Jeremy. I don't even know what it's from. And then Lois Lane. They're both both DC characters. God. (laughs) And I'm not a nerd and that offends me. You are a nerd. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. (sighs) Okay. Taryn. Yeah. Let's go. Okay. All right, you guys. This is the uh, history, (laughs) and there actually is one, of Buzz Lightyear's Astro Blasters. You know, this is a hard ride to ride because you really got to know where the Z's are. It's true. It's true. And they're all over this show, I guess. Wow. <laughs> you just can't aim at anything. That's, I guess, what I would say. Yeah. yeah it's, it's not a, a urinal. It's a tough one for sure. It's, it, Jason loves this ride because he's really good at it. I, I don't because I, I, I can't figure out where I'm even going. And I always feel like my gun's broken. Yeah. I, I, I definitely gatekeep how to, how to play this game. Yeah. You do. Okay. Buzz Lightyear's Astro Blasters attraction at Disneyland is one of those rides that you don't exactly go looking for, but instead just sort of land in. No pun intended. It's a nice five-minute escape from the heat in an air-conditioned dark room, and you get to shoot things and win points. I doubt that it's anyone's favorite ride, but it's a keeper nonetheless. I love winning points. Don't you, Jeremy? When you win a point, isn't it good? (laughs) Yeah. Well, well, yeah, you you win a point. You win so points. You score points. I win points. Okay. I think you, I, I, you. I think you earn them. You earn points. Yeah. So now we have the three of us on different wavelengths. Ah, wow. Oh God. Well, when starting to research for this show, <laughs> I didn't expect to find a whole lot um, of history. If I'm being honest, but I was wrong. There's actually quite a bit of history in the making of this attraction. However. In order to understand how it ended up in Disneyland, you first have to understand the history of Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger spin in Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom. In 1972, just after Walt Disney World first opened its doors, Tomorrowland was something of a desert. Much like its western counterpart, Magic Kingdom opened without the park being totally complete, and Tomorrowland specifically was so incomplete and unpolished that buildings still being constructed were exposed and the land was so barren that guests had a clear view of the contemporary hotel. Also, with less than a handful of attractions available to guests, Tomorrowland simply fell short of expectations. To visitors, it felt uninspired, unimaginative, and lackluster. 
Imagineers were well aware of the state of Tomorrowland, and of course they had a plan. But it was going to take a bit of time. By 19- Sorry, it's really come a long way. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> cool. Um, by 1975, Imagineers had planned two major attractions for Tomorrowland, the People Mover and Space Mountain. These two attractions were expensive, resource-heavy, and they were going to take a while to build, so they needed something to fill in Tomorrowland for the next three years while they were being built. In an attempt to tide guests over and help them enjoy Tomorrowland slightly more, Imagineers came up with an easy, cheap, and quick-to-build attraction that amazingly only took five months to build from conception to completion. Conveniently, imagine that timeline. They can't make. They can't even come up with an idea in five months. <laughs> it takes five years for them to build something these days. I know. Like I, I don't even understand that timeline, considering what we know now. But right. they did. But they did it. Conveniently, there was an unused portion of the Circle Vision Theater building in Tomorrowland that made an easy location for the soon-to-be-built attraction. Then, in another move to make this project quick and efficient, Imagineers used the exact same ride vehicle and Omnimover system that was used in the Haunted Mansion. Yes, when you ride Buzz Lightyear, you are in a doom buggy. Uh, I thought it was a ghost mobile. In the ghost mobile. (laughs) Wow, that's taking it back. I like that. It's a good callback. At the time... Uh, So uh, 1972 still. At the time, Eastern Airlines was the official Walt Disney World airline. And Disney executives convinced them to sponsor the ride, which they did for $10 million. They called the attraction If You Had Wings. And as you sat in your little non-doom buggy, the ride moved you through dioramas of many places that you could travel to on Eastern Airlines. This attraction utilized projections to tell the story with no animatronics, which is a little odd and honestly kind of cheap, considering animatronics were sort of the Disney standard at the time. If You Had Wings was an unticketed ride, but despite being free, it was wildly unpopular. Much like Tomorrowland itself, people found the attraction to be boring, uninspired, and really just an excuse to get out of the sun for five minutes. The only possibly living off the land. That's exactly the (laughs) I want this back. We don't have enough of this. I just need a place to go and sit and look at stuff. I don't need all this, you know, razzmatazz. (laughs) You have living off the land. That's 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 what you have. That's this version of that. And that that one's probably better a little. No, living with the land is don't oh, living with there. the land, whatever. Living off the land. I got my, <laughs> I got my of mice and men and my Epcot rides confused. <laughs> the only possible redemption for the attraction was possibly the music, which, as time went on, became a sort of novelty to Disney fans. Jason, do you want to play the clip? I have a choice. Jason, can you please play the clip? If you had wings, you could do many things. You could widen your world if you had wings. If you had wings, had wings, had wings. If you had wings, had wings, had wings, had wings, had wings. You could fly to a plaza where the people play. At a Mexican fiesta in the land of Olay. If you had wings, if you had wings, if you had wings, had wings, had wings, had wings. Like, I can totally see why it became, like, 
a thing for Disney fans. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, it's not good. No. And you don't want to get it stuck in your head, and you will, all of you, now. Yes. But um, We'll latch on to any crap. <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. So the attraction remained uh, relatively unchanged for 15 years. Then in 1987, just before they went bankrupt, uh, Eastern Airlines dropped their sponsorship with Disney. Walt Disney World decided to stick with the aviation theme on the attraction and renamed the ride to If You Could Fly. <laughs> they removed all Eastern Airline logos and added new music, but didn't really change much else. Now, as much as fans didn't like the original attraction, they really didn't like the new attraction and particularly were not a fan of the new music. Do you have the, the other clip? Yeah, it's a terrible clip. There's, you know, Taryn and I both looked online. There's... Any footage of this like revamp is is just terrible home video footage, and you know how great that sounds. But this is like the best sounding that I can that I could find. It's like more loungy. Yeah. Than like like sing songy. Like yeah. I think I love it. <laughs> it's good, but it's like it's so bad. It's such a bad recording. I've never heard of this. That's pretty cool though. If you could fly, it's cool. If you could fly. And you go on YouTube and just literally like look it up. It's it, there. There's a couple of videos of it, but it's not the the quality's terrible because yeah. it's just VHS. Well, it's 1987. Yeah, and it's just. Um, but anyway, it's 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 a little different from this, right? Like, this is a little more like almost like exotica jazz kind of thing, and like this is is more loungy. Or like a little more Latin beat. Anyway. Well, yeah. people didn't really like it. But uh, If You Could Fly only lasted around 18 months until Disney was able to secure a new sponsorship from Delta Airlines. God, I wonder how many rides like Disney has done or even attractions or nighttime spectaculars or whatever, that have a short timeline like that where it's like I would love to know at what point they go – Okay, so it's eight months in, and people, this is a stinker. So we got to get something else going real fast. Like, what's the the point of no return? As far as like, oh, we gotta, I don't know. Because yeah. from what I've read online, people were upset at the change because people like loved the show. They loved it. I I I read differently, um, but I think what happens is when you change something. Mm-hmm then fans don't like the change. They didn't actually ever like the original thing, but they don't like that you changed it because now sure. you've taken yep. something from their childhood, that even though they didn't like it. Mm-hmm. And so times just don't change. 1989, 2021, we're all the same people. We just don't like change. <laughs> that definitely tracks. I mean, that that's what would happen if they ever ripped Autopia exactly. out. It would be people no, would be pissed. Yeah, they'd be super upset. Even though no one would really be upset. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be such a good thing for them to do. Anyway. In 1989, Delta Dream Flight was born. 
Now, this attraction used the existing building, vehicle, and track, but updated and remodeled the show using all new scenery and music. This time, rather than showing the places that you could travel to, this new version of the dark ride showcased the history of aviation. This overhaul was far more popular than its predecessor, but it only lasted six years until Delta unexpectedly ended its sponsorship in 1996. Similar to what they did six years earlier, Disney simply renamed the attraction to Dream Flight and kept the ride going. On June 4, 1996, the attraction shut down for 24 hours, giving Imagineers just enough time to remove all the Delta paraphernalia and change the music. This new attraction was now called Disney's Take Flight. Disney's Take Flight ran for, you guessed it, 18 months. (laughs) Hell yeah. On January 15, 1998, Disney announced that they were going to replace Disney's Take Flight with Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin. This brand new attraction was labeled as a dark ride slash arcade shooter. By today's standards, this seems like a great idea, but unsurprisingly, Disney fans were less enthusiastic about this change. Pixar, at this point in time, had only completed one film, which was Toy Story in 1995, and Disney wouldn't own Pixar Studios for another eight years. So Disney fans weren't convinced that Pixar was even a thing and did not like the idea of adding Pixar IP into their beloved Disney park. And so I'm, I'm sure Disney had a guarantee from Pixar, like, look, we have at least one more in here, maybe two. Like, this is our pathway. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm, well, I'm fairly certain that Pixar films take like three to five years. So Toy yeah. Story 2 was already in motion. It's a right. Bug's Life was already in motion. These things were already going, but we, we didn't know that. The audience right. doesn't know. And you're like, what is this thing? Yeah. What are you doing? God, I could do better. Yeah. As you exactly. munch on a churro. It's I all- could do better than this. Like, doing this history, I was like, this is literally what happens today. Like, this is now. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's all the same. Disney fans are the same always. What Disney fans probably didn't realize at the time was that this was actually the second idea that Imagineers had for this ride overhaul. The first idea to be thrown out was actually to have the same ride system, add a shooter aspect, but theme it to the movie Aliens and have guests use weapons to shoot at xenomorphs. Xenomorphs. Now this Xenomorphs. I like. <laughs> this I like too, which is funny because now Disney owns Alien IP. They own the Alien franchise. Mm-hmm. But they didn't back then. So this was part of then CEO Michael Eisner's over overall goal to make the parks more attractive to teenagers. And on a side note, while Imagineers quickly squashed that idea for this attraction, they did in fact create an aliens themed attraction, sort of in the vein of Star Tours. But it didn't last long because it was too scary for ride goers. Too scary. Well, I mean, unless the seat next to them could spontaneously explode, killing the people. Like, I don't understand how things can be too scary to ride. I don't know, but I understand. I'm adding this to the list of shows for next year. Okay. Because it's fascinating. So anyway, regardless of the initial Disney fan reaction, Imagineers went ahead with the Toy Story themed shooter dark ride. Sorry, Disney fans. They didn't listen to you. They (laughs) did what they wanted. Wow. Go figure that one out. Yeah. Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin used the same building and Omnimover system as the 1972 version. The overhaul of the ride began in March 1998 and was completed in September 1998. Now, in case you weren't listening, that's six months. They completely rethemed the entire thing in six months. 
And granted, they weren't exactly starting from scratch here, but they did refurbish the vehicles on the system, adding the mounted guns and made it so that riders could swivel the chair back and forth, helping them aim and shoot at their targets. I find that still a very solid timeline for this. I cannot believe that that ride was that it's uh, this is unbelievable. I know it's insane. So the line cue for Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin contains a five foot four inch Buzz Lightyear animatronic with a projection face. And Buzz explains to people waiting in line that the evil Emperor Zerg, voiced by Thurl Ravenscroft, wants to steal the batteries used to power the space vehicles of the little green men. You, the guest, are the Star Command recruits sent in to defeat Zerg. When the attraction opened in 1998, this was actually the very first time that people had seen Zerg. In Toy Story 1, they had only heard about him, and Toy Story 2 wouldn't come out for another year. In fact, truly banking on the success of Pixar films, Walt Disney World actually had two Pixar attractions before there were even two Pixar films available to watch. Right along with the opening of Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin, It's Great to Be a Bug had also opened before Bug's Life had even been released. So you can sort of understand why fans may have been upset because without even knowing if Pixar or Toy Story or Bug's Life were even going to become a big deal, there was all this new and unfamiliar IP at the parks. So while I do understand the frustration, of course, everything worked out just fine. I mean, except for Bug's Life. Too soon. (laughs) I'm sorry. I have to go back to the timeline. It took longer than six months for them to build the creation shop in Epcot. <laughs> it was under control for like two years. They can't build a store in six months, but they can refurbish <laughs> this ride, mount guns on there, do screens, get the lasers pointing, and do that in six months. I think that's Michael Eisner. Happening. <laughs> I think he – I mean – I mean, I, I don't like to give the guy credit, but I think that was him going, <laughs> ah, this has to be done now. Right. Do it. Do it. Get it done. Kind of like Walt. Oof. I just compared the two. Oh, man. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> I'm twitching. Anyway, back to Buzz's ride. The ride itself allows you to shoot at targets, and you get points for hitting those targets. And then at the very end, you receive a ranking based on the amount of points you receive. The one thing that I did not know is that if you receive above 999,999 points and become a galactic hero, you get a prize. A real-life really? prize. What? The prizes range from buttons to stickers. And, <laughs> I know, of course. So next time you go, make sure you take a photo of your super incredible high score and show a cast member, and you'll get a prize. Of course. I mean, first of all, it's impossible to do. Actually, my you can cousin... Never no, I've it. seen people do it. Yeah, my cousin was there with her boyfriend this past weekend, and he got $1.3 million. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. No, he didn't. I saw the picture. You can't lie. You sure you can. You can Photoshop. <laughs> oh, my God. Never happens. <laughs> you just haven't done it. Yeah, I haven't done it. <laughs> uh, I thought you had. No, not that much. I think I've gotten like seven, maybe, 7,000 or 700,000. But like I, it's uh, my, my theory is unless you pause, unless you br- not break down, but like, you know, they'll like swap out a, a ride car for like a handicap car unless someone help, needs help getting uh, unless you're right at like the the because the diamond ones are the most uh, award you the most points. Unless you're right at one of those just hammering away, you're never going to get on, on a normal ride through. There's no way you're going to get that without a delay. There's no way. Get him on the phone. Let's talk to him. 
I don't know who he paid off. I've never even met him. Yeah, neither have I. The ride was an instant hit at Walt Disney World Tomorrowland, which honestly wasn't hard to do considering even with Space Mountain and People Mover, there still wasn't a lot to do there. Due to the success of Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin, Imagineers started, started copying and pasting the ride at other parks across the world. Disneyland. they're so creative. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Disneyland's version of the ride is called Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters. And, it's, and like its Floridian counterpart, it also uses infrastructure from previous attractions. The attraction in Disneyland takes up the space originally occupied by the Circle Vision 360. 360 degrees theater. How would I say that? Jesus. 360 is fine. Okay, yeah. thanks. Um, occupied by the Circle Circle Vision 360 theater, which was transformed in 1997 when Tomorrowland received its infamous makeover, and the Circle Vision theater became part of the queue line for the rocket rods. Of course, the rocket rods were prone to breakdowns and closed within two years, leaving the queue empty for several years until Astro Blasters finally opened in 2005. A couple key differences between Astro Blasters and Space Ranger Spin is that in Anaheim's Astro Blasters, the laser guns can be removed from their mounts to allow for more accurate shooting, um, and the targets actually have different point values. While Ah. in Florida, the guns are mounted to the car, and the target amounts are the same throughout the entire ride. Oh, interesting. Okay. I didn't know that. I thought if I got something really far away, I was like really crushing it. Apparently not. Apparently not, Jer. Oh, God. <laughs> also, in a surprisingly innovative move, in 2005, when Astro Blasters opened in Anaheim, Disney also released an online version of the game that you could play at home. This online video game connected users with guests who were riding the ride in person in Anaheim. Wow. So the better the guests played in Anaheim, the better the online players would do at home, points-wise. <laughs> That's kind of cool. It's cool. I still don't understand how that worked. The but internet is but like I want to. Yeah. I want to push Jason around in a wheel in a chair <laughs> yeah. as he points at things throughout the house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's how you play it at home. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> You're like spin me left. Yeah. <laughs> Whole lot of man of ammo. <laughs> There are versions of Buzz Lightyear Shooter Ride at all Disney resorts, but interestingly, there was a unique version of it in what's now known as Disney Springs. Instead of being a dark ride on a track, it was basically bumper cars meets dodgeball. Riders would ride around in an enclosed bumper car style vehicle and hurl rubber balls at the other cars. I would love this. I know. It sounds amazing. Yeah. Unfortunately, it closed in 2017. Bummer. Yeah. Everything good leaves Was this me. in Disney Quest? It was. And I only didn't mention it because it was going to – Disney Quest sounds really cool oh. and that's going to be a whole show. Okay. Yeah. Disney Quest was like an indoor theme park response to states that couldn't get – that weren't close enough to a Disney park. I don't know. It's wild. Okay. All right. Yeah. We're going to yeah. do a whole show. All right. Um. With the exception of Hong Kong Disneyland, which rethemed their version of Astro Blasters to Ant-Man and the Wasp Nano Battle, every Disney resort has their own sim- very similar version to- of Buzz Lightyear arcade shooter dark ride, blah, blah, blah. Sorry. Every Disney resort has their own very similar version of Buzz Lightyear's arcade shooting dark ride. So while Astro Blasters may not be the most thrilling attraction at 
the Disneyland Resort or any of those resorts for that matter. <laughs> At least now you know a little bit more about why it's there. And we can all be thankful that it's not just a ride about airlines. Good job, Taryn. <laughs> That's true. Great job. <laughs> Although I do miss the airline ride. Yeah, I, I had knew I knew nothing about it, and was helping yeah. you look for the thing. I was you know you had to watch a couple walkthroughs. Um, I think I might do that on our next walkabout stream. Is like watch one of these walkthroughs because it seemed like pretty cool. I mean, and yeah. you know people have have like the map, so you map it out and like where the projections are. It's just kind of neat to like see. But uh, I don't know that kind of stuff. Not everything has to have animatronics. I know what you were saying where it does seem kind of weird. Considering everything else had them. Yeah. But it was also sort of like neat to see what you can do with only $10 million. Yeah. I just, I read several in several different places that, that where the, the writers um, were just like, there, you couldn't find a line for this ride. <laughs> nice. Like you, you literally, there was never a line. Like, yeah, but I wonder if it's because of the Omniver system also. Right. I mean, yeah. like, look at Little Mermaid, never has a, a line, maybe, a, maybe a two minute wait. Yeah. But it's just you're constantly you're constantly pushing. That's true. You had wings. You <laughs> could do many things. You could widen your world if you had wings. If you had wings, had wings, had wings. If you had wings, had wings. Like right here, I was like, oh, this is really stupid. And then the guy comes on, I'm like, Okay, I get it. It's a vibe. Try to a plaza where the people play. I love it so much. <laughs> I All think right. um, Delta Dreamflight also had a pretty iconic song associated with it, too. I think there were a few. That, yeah. yeah. That, that's a whole that's I mean, a it's, whole vibe. A, it's crazy how many different things this ride has been. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, all right. We're going to take a quick break, everybody. We're going to come back. We're going to do some Disney news, and we're going to get out of here. So hang on, don't leave, because you got to know what's happening in the Disney newsosphere, which is a, a, a ride coming up from Disneyland. That'll, I don't know, whatever. Sorry. We'll be right back. And now, back to the show that ignites your dream wish of imaginations and magical color wonderment of forever. Ears up. That's right. Welcome back to your <laughs> dreams of magical wonderment. <laughs> Uh, I love that. <laughs> it's a good color wonderment. <laughs> uh, Jeremy, are, have you seen any of the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe movies? Um, well, no. you've seen Green Lantern. <laughs> no, see, I, I've seen the Adventures of Green Lantern. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> so you haven't seen Iron Man or Iron Man Two specifically, which is why I'm bringing this up. No, I haven't seen either of those. Well, Iron Man is Tony Stark. And his father was Howard Stark. And so in Iron Man 2, they have this like sort of um, like a World's Fair thing that very much looks like Epcot. Okay, mm-hmm. oh. it's like a, like a like a expanded Epcot kind of a thing. It centers, like it. The center is a big globe. It's a whole thing. Um, but then they they have like Howard Stark, Iron Man's dad, like walking on and doing these like very, you know, staged shots of like him introducing what's going to be at the fairs or whatever. And it's very much modeled after Walt Disney. So it's kind of cool. But the theme song for the um, Stark world, I think is what it's called or whatever it is, um, sounds very familiar. I want to play it for you because I think uh, you would enjoy this. Okay. Okay. 
<laughs> Sounds like a great, big, beautiful tomorrow, doesn't yeah. it? We, yeah. Composed and conducted by John Debney. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> and written by? And written by Gavin Greenway. Oh. I think, wasn't it? No. no Richard Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman. That's right. That's right. So one of the Sherman brothers wrote this. Debney composed and conducted Debney it. Debney did the orchestration. Yeah. Okay, I like Which it. is very, very Epcot vibey. Oh, cool. Yeah, I mean, this is this is actually Carousel of Progress. Yeah, it's just an Epcot, but well, and um, in, in the movie, it's yeah. hard. It's hard to hear. It's like it's very background because there's a lot of you know stuff going on. And so, Taryn, I was like, "Is that? I can't. Is that really?" And then sat through all the credits. Well, you skip through all the credits and you you know find the the music portion of like where every you know what all the songs are. And I was like, "Sherman bro, okay, there you go, Debney, there we go." It makes you feel Gen- okay about it. Yeah. It does make me feel okay about it. And John Debney is Disney royalty, and his blood, you know, his father worked for Disney. So we accept this. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> we do accept this. I thought it was well, neat. This is part, but Disney owns this anyway, don't they? Yeah. 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 But it was still, it was, yeah, it was neat. It's not, yeah. it's like not like a throwback, but it sort of is a throwback. There's definitely nods to it. I wish Epcot would nod to its damn self. <laughs> <laughs> Pass it to myself. Speaking of passing it to yourselves, guys, uh, have you heard of Disney Plus Day? I have. I have know nothing about it, but I've heard the term. Mm, it's cool. Yeah, it, you it's- wouldn't know about it because they just say, like, yeah, it's Disney Plus Day. And then I'm like, I can't click this link. Like, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm like going to learn about it, and I'm just I'm scrolling. Well, we're going to – it happens on November 12th, which is, I believe, tomorrow. Oh, that is tomorrow. And uh, it's, it's now for me. It's now. That's right. Oh. Uh, how are you celebrating Disney Plus Day? Happy Disney Plus Day, Jeremy. Thank you. you. Thank you. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's uh, three in three hours. It's like uh, uh, New Year's over here. The big Mickey mm-hmm. ears are going to drop. Yeah. 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 Um, for some reason, this is this is from the Disney Parks blog. They go, we're excited to roll up the blue carpet around the world for Disney Plus subscribers. In celebration of Disney Plus Day, Disney Plus subscribers with a valid ticket or pass and theme park reservations for the day will enjoy special benefits at select Disney theme parks. Disney Plus subscribers are invited with their travel party to enter all theme parks at both Disney World and uh, Disneyland 30 minutes before regular park open. That's the exciting news. 30 minutes beforehand. But if you stay on if you stay on site at the hotel, don't you get an hour? Is yeah. there, or do they still do magic mornings there? Ooh, actually, I don't know. Well, I but it's limited to a select park and sometimes that is that That's true. sometimes those magic hours are after hours. Hmm. So if you if it's any park a half an hour beforehand, then that could, that is a, a different benefit than extra magic hours. Hmm. I thought it was weird. It's like 30 why bother? It just seems weird. It just seems like a like a weird uh, system at the front gates. Also, like yeah. uh, this line. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Do you have Disney Plus? Oh, can I go in front of you? I'm supposed to get in half an hour. It just seems. I don't know. Maybe they're gonna have a separate line. Who knows? How do you show? Like, do you, how do you show yeah. that you own, have Disney Plus? Good question. Don't know. Also, I thought like everybody had Disney Plus, and like that's the thing. It's like it's the it's the top. Like subscription based thing now, so like, is it really going to benefit anybody? That's I feel like that's going to be the <laughs> longest line, <laughs> right? It's everybody who's there, yeah, everybody except me. Yeah, <laughs> um, Disney Plus subscribers are the real stars at Disney Hollywood Studios and Disneyland Park, where guests will be welcomed with a blue carpet experience, including special photo opportunities throughout the parks. Plus, up your photos. <laughs> 
with complimentary Disney PhotoPass digital downloads. Um, whatever. Fan favorite Disney Plus characters is... will be in appearance around the parks. But the fun doesn't stop there, Jeremy. There are more surprises in store for subscribers. Um, and that's basically really all they say. <laughs> oh, Disney, uh, Disney Plus Day is coming to Disneyland Paris at some point. Blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't know how you are going to... Oh, I'm sorry. There's more. Uh, Disney Plus subscribers will enjoy more special benefits from home with free shipping on Shop Disney from November 12th through the 14th. In addition, for a limited time, starting today, Shop Disney is rolling out new customizable products from uh, Disney, Pixar, Star Wars, Marvel, including short sleeve and long sleeve t-shirts for kids and adults from Disney Plus favorites. Rey and the Last Dragon, Luca, Star Wars, The Bad Batch, and Loki. Hmm. In celebration of Disney Plus Day, Disney Publishing Worldwide will offer selected 99-cent e-books from the 8th through the 17th. And um, anyway, there's a whole bunch of stuff. None of it seems really exciting. So, you know, God bless. I like the, I like the disc, was it a discount? Yeah. You said discount on Shop Disney? Uh, yeah. I like that. That's a good, that's cool. I'll use that. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Bless I me. wonder if, uh, I, I tried to make a park reservation at the last minute for tomorrow. Uh, and it turns out that only Animal Kingdom was available. I'm wondering if that's related to... Disney Plus Day. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Well, it's uh, don't a lot of people have tomorrow off because today was Veterans Day, so they usually make it a three day weekend or something. I don't think so. No, mm. I do think a lot of schools were cl- maybe were closed today, or it's some someone gets today off. Yeah, okay. I thought it was weird that it was on a when what day is today Thursday. Yeah, I usually I know thought, I always thought Veterans Day was a Monday. Yeah, that, and then you get the day off. Yeah. Right, but I guess it's not. I guess it marks. That's Memorial Day. That's the other side of it. Oh yeah, that's yeah. That's the side that no one wants to talk about on Veterans Day. Yeah. Um. Here's more stuff that's very interesting and weird, and and I just don't. I mean, whatever. Who cares? Guests visiting uh, Disneyland on November 12th, which is to <laughs> here we go tomorrow. Wait, does that make any sense? They they did do this on the same day, or there's a typo. Either way. Um, we'll be able to enjoy Life Day special menu items throughout Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Life Day began as a Wookiee holiday centered around the Kashyyyk Tree of Life, but can be celebrated by any species in any location. Family, joy, and harmony are among the values and tenets of Wookiee culture that are embraced on Life Day. People enjoy Life Day, traditionally marking this holiday with festive decor, music, uh, whatever. So um, Life Day is like some stupid, you know, Wookiee thing that I think started on the Star Wars holiday special that was like (laughs) universally panned um, and terrible and becomes sort of like a joke. And then now apparently Disneyland wants to take the joke and make it real. They want to de-meme the joke. Okay. Um, But anyway, that's that's kind of interesting. So if you're there, uh, you know, tomorrow, you guys listening live. On Oga's Cantina, you have a, a pork belly slider skewer, uh, a, a different cocktail. 18 bucks now, gin and huckleberry cocktail. Hmm. Refreshing blend of gin, elderflower. First of all, nothing with gin is refreshing. Well, I guess that's not true. Uh, elderflower oh. core with flavors of ginger and huckleberry garnish with sweet hibiscus flour. That, nothing sounds refreshing about that <laughs> at all. It sounds very heavy and free. Sounds good, but for 18 bucks, you know, I don't want to do that. Uh, pork broth noodles, docking base seven sounds cool. Potato hand pie. So they got some cool like uh, menu stuff going on. I like that. Okay. I think it's neat. Yeah, but only if you 
<laughs> but only if you're there like tomorrow. So anyone, most people listening to this, I'm like, oh, cool. That was fun. Thanks for <laughs> letting me know now. Yeah. Uh, more Star Wars news, though, Jeremy. This is uh, over on your coast. The Star Wars Hotel is sold out for four months. Already? In advance. Yeah. This uh, this article, this title's from Gizmodo. goes, Disney's ridiculous Star Wars Hotel is sold out for four months, despite ridiculousness. Wow. <laughs> uh, ridiculous pricing, ridiculous concept. What else? <laughs> I mean, it's all ridiculous, but Star Wars people will do whatever you tell them. Yeah. yeah. They're almost as bad as Disneyland fans. Oh, wait. <laughs> uh, who'd spend $6,000 to stay at Disney's Star Wars Hotel for a LARP for two nights, we all asked, ready to be cut down by our hubris like Anakin Skywalker slicing his way through younglings? Turns out the answer is a lot of people. Revealed during to, uh, during today's uh, Disney uh, 2021 earnings call for shareholders, Disney CEO Bob Chapek confirmed that Walt Disney World's Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser had been virtually fully booked out for its first four months of operation. The hotel is set to open in the spring of next year and only has roughly 100 rooms available at a time. That's very it's small. A very small hotel. That's very, very yeah, it's small. very small. Uh, still, considering you can only stay for two days as part of its curated experience, it asks you to balance being in a hotel with trying to be a Star Wars character in a hotel. Swept up in the franchise's grand galactic conflict, uh, that's a lot of bookings already. A lot of expensive bookings. As said, two night stay costs anywhere from between forty eight hundred and six grand for guests to get on board. And here's the thing, it's only going to get positive reviews because if you drop forty eight hundred dollars to yeah. six grand to spend two nights, you're never gonna tell anyone it sucked. Oh, for sure. You'd be like, Yeah, it was right. so good, it was worth every penny, even though your friends are like, What did you do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gosh, I just I, I just I mean, personally I don't see it. I don't see it, but you know there's gonna be like weekend one, there's gonna be so many YouTubers YouTubers there, so many bloggers. So many of all these people, we're going to see everything about it. We're like, okay, that's cool. I still don't think I would do it. I, it does. I mean, I don't care what it, you know, I wonder what it's going to be where it's like in 50 years, you know, with the advance of like a commercial space flight. I wonder if you're just going to be like, okay, so part of your package now for $25,000, we launch your dumbass up and you get to float for 45 minutes, you know, in the upper troposphere or whatever. And then you come back down and then you you know, you go home. Yeah. Something incorporate I me. Mean, who knows, man? They, they, there could definitely be that. There's clearly a a pathway to something outlandish like that. Yeah. Where you get 100 people for two days. Well, not 100 people, but like 100 rooms. So you could have 400 people. Who knows? I don't know. You do something weird. You know, thinking about it, like I always felt like I would never, ever do it, even if somebody paid for me to do it. But then I, if it were Harry Potter themed, I'd be there in a second. I don't for forty eight hundred dollars. No, that's what I'm saying. I don't. Yeah. I don't think I would pay for it. But because really, for me, I mean, yes, the price is absolutely insane, and I I don't know who can afford that. But um, it's cool that they can. But for me, it's more the stress that's involved in having to be on for two full days with strangers. Yeah. Yes. And we've talked about it a little bit. And I think for, for me, it is also like, okay, I see in a, a hotel cast member 
are they going to ask me some right. dumbass thing? Like, are, are they going to be on like some weird ass Rising one where suns. not? Yeah, or like, is this part of like now my experience where I'm going to? This is part of my storyline. Like, what is going on? Sometimes you just want to walk down the hallway. You know what I mean? Sometimes right. you just want to sit and like hang out. And but if you're into that, then then this sounds like the the thing for you. I just I don't know. We'll see. I I I, I still won't ever do it unless someone pays. <laughs> Pays for it. But even yeah, then, I want someone to pay for me, and I'll go and break their magic. <laughs> like, I, I want someone to come up and ask me some weird Star Wars question. I'm like, can you get the hell out of my face? I've never seen it. <laughs> yeah, I actually don't know. I don't know what this is. Is this with Hagrid? <laughs> where's where are we going to see Hagrid? Yeah, where's Hagrid? <laughs> I love him so much. No, but seriously, is there Green a- Lantern going to be here soon? <laughs> <laughs> what about Lois Lane? <laughs> Lois, oh, Lois Lane, love her. Um, okay, and the last story, which which is great. This is a great story. It's such a good story. Every once in a while, the Disney news gods shine a, a bright spotlight down upon all the news gatherers of the world. So, as I mentioned, the uh, uh, Disney company's uh, quarter full end year uh, full year earnings report call took place. That was a mouthful on Wednesday evening. So it was just last night for us. Someone called Scott Sanders on. Facebook or on Twitter pulled a question and answer session that has sort of a couple of these Disney news sites sort of like speaking out. And uh, I think it's really funny here. Here's a, here's a clip actually. It's a, it's an audio clip. So let's see if we can play. And I wonder how will you mitigate that inflation? And at what point did it start becoming a more meaningful drag on the margin recovery that you've identified? Thanks. Thank you, Michael. Bob, how about if you talk about the Disney plus uh, sub growth in the U S and Christine can talk about inflation. I'm going to skip it. Thanks, Bob. Um, hi, Michael. I think you asked a, a, a question that's on the minds of every CFO and every senior management team of, of companies out there. Um, inflationary pressures are something we are all uh, looking at and trying to assess and think about, you know, how do we manage through it? Uh, this is also one that, um, you know, I, I'll, I'll just mention we, we've already experienced in some parts of our business. So, um, over the past year or so, we've talked about the increase in the price of content. Uh, you see the content that because of just the uh, a competition for talent, for everything that's involved in productions, content costs have gone up. Um, where we see it directly in our parks business is primarily through the hourly wage um, inflation that we've seen through contract contract renegotiations um, and our commitment to uh, paying our, our, our park workers well. Um, and then we have things on the cost of goods side. And it's interesting, I, just last week, um, maybe it was, you know, it was just last week, I was talking to our parks senior team about things we could do there. And there are lots of things that are worth talking about. You know, we can adjust suppliers, we can substitute products, we can cut portion size, which is probably good for some people's waistlines. Um, we can look at pricing where necessary. And that's what I want to point out. This woman on the earnings call, and this woman's name is um, Christine McCarthy, Senior Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer yeah. of the Disney Company. And she goes... We're, we can cut food portions, which is probably good for some people's waistlines. I mean, she's not wrong, but she shouldn't have said it. <laughs> well, this is the thing, man. And like, you know, first of all, uh, 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 well, I mean, I guess addressing the no pun intended, the elephant in the room. Yes. <laughs> limiting people's portion sizes 
is probably beneficial to their health. That being said, this is still America. And if I want to overeat, <laughs> I have the right to because I'm an adult and I can do whatever I want to do. Also, it's not like people go to the park meeting their BMI index and yeah. then and then they're a day and a half into the park and they've had too many churros and suddenly they've gained 25 pounds. That's not how it works. Yeah. People come into the park obese right. and then they leave obese. That they, even if they didn't eat anything, they're probably not going to lose it. So it's not like getting one less pancake isn't going to make you leave with a lower BMI, right? Or like a smaller <laughs> a smaller burrito, yeah, isn't going to change anything. So for her to even insinuate that is sort of fat shaming, and sort oh, of yeah. like and sort of like it's a few things. Number one, I think it I think it is sort of like fat shaming, uh, as weird as that sounds, but it's also. We're going to literally she's talking about how this is going to cut costs for them. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, they've already like raised the prices on a bunch of food last Everything. year, year before, whatever. So they're cutting costs, keeping prices the same, but cutting um, cutting portion sizes, but telling us it's for our own good. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's the most insane thing for senior level management of a billion dollar company to say. It's gaslighting. It's insanity. <laughs> It makes no sense. I don't understand it. I totally understand it. Like, I mean, it, she was making a joke, right? I don't think she was. I think she was deadly serious. I think maybe she was being a little snarky, but it was more, probably one of those like, you know what I'm saying? Because we have a lot of fat. You know what I mean? I, I don't think it was a joke necessarily, but it was maybe jovial in a joking way, but it definitely felt. Like, no, this is just what they say in the board. Oh, yeah. In the board This is how they talk. And she forgot that she got asked this question by press. (laughs) right. (laughs) I have to say I have a slightly different – like, I have – I'm mad for a slightly different reason. Oh. Tell me. So the the fat – I don't think it's fat shaming. It actually doesn't bother me. I actually found it refreshing because I listen to these calls all the time, and it's all saccharine, sweetheart – over, you know, like just manufactured Stepford wife reading of of text that sounds so manufactured that it's just like I'm not getting anything real. So I was like, wow, what a breath of fresh air. She's like being totally <laughs> honest. Like she's it was a ga- it was obviously a gaff. Um yeah. yes. she probably didn't wouldn't have said that. They wouldn't encourage any of their cast members to speak like that, but it was like, oh, here I am, you know, making kind of an you know, an off-the-cuff kind of remark or whatever. What bothers me about it is the other side of it, which is we're going to cut portions while raising prices. And I'm like, you absolute jerks. You have raised prices on me like over and over and over again. And you know, you'll do it. You don't need to cut portions. Just raise the prices. You're going to raise them anyway. You keep raising them. You raise them on everything. It's not about the portion. You can charge whatever you want. The Christmas party is the most overinflated price there is. And people have – it has sold out because we keep forking over the money. You don't need to cut the portions. Your margins are going to be just yeah. fine. Yeah. How much is the Christmas party the, this year at Disney World? We were talking about that earlier. I think, I think at the low – it ranges because as you get closer to Christmas and during peaks or whatever, it, it goes up. I, the cheapest one I think was this past week and it was maybe 187 189 something wow. like that. Wow. It's more imagine? than a one-day ticket and it's for three wow. or four hours of, of, of stuff. So I didn't really care about the fat shaming thing and – like you know yeah they do serve too much food like 
you know, if you do the Disney dining plan, I was on the Disney dining plan for one trip. And I remember being like, I don't need dessert for every meal. But like <laughs> you get here we are at lunch. Here's your pizza and your cupcake. It's like. I actually don't need a dessert after every after pizza. time I eat. Yeah, See, th- I'm not five. <laughs> yeah, and we definitely have a different mindset or uh, experience with food because we don't have anything like that out here. So, like, I'm thinking of, like, Rancho del Zocalo where it's like, yeah, sometimes I can leave food on the plate. But for the most part, I'm hungry. And you, we only – we don't eat three squares at the park. Yeah. You know, we'll eat – maybe we'll have one meal at the park, maybe two – and we're not even really snacking all that much, but I guess maybe that's just us. But, you know, eating anywhere else, I, I don't even know. If someone asked me where could I get a dessert in Disneyland, I wouldn't even know where to go. Maybe Jolly sure. Holiday. <laughs> yeah, or like the candy place. But I, I think so. Oh, I think there's that place on Main Street that sells the chocolate covered strawberries that I go to. <laughs> I mean, it's the first place I stopped. <laughs> I had no idea. I didn't even know that. I, yeah, so I like guess we just have a different where that. So for me, like the food isn't that like I remember eating like a, a those gray burgers from to- in Tomorrowland. It's like oh, those are terrible. They're terrible with like a little bit of fries and like the burger. It's like I'm starving after this. What are you gonna cut? How many fries are you gonna take away from me, man? It's not gonna do anything. But you're right. Just raise the friggin' price. Just raise it. You're gonna do it anyway. Just raise it. Don't couch it in like oh. And I think that's sort of like parallel to what I'm saying. It's like oh, it's just it'll help you guys out. Don't worry. It'll be fine. Yeah. It'll be okay. All right, man. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, as a, she's also speaking as a CFO, so she's always looking at every option. She's like, how can we – Like, because yeah. she, she said, we're looking at different suppliers who can give us a better – You know, maybe there's different shipping options and all this stuff because the cost of goods is have, impacting everybody and yes. you're, everyone's trying to, to mitigate that. So this was one of the ways she was thinking of mitigating it and it didn't come out very no. well. No, it didn't <laughs> at all. Absolutely not. <laughs> She just forgot what company she was in. I, and not not company as in Disney, but like who she was talking to. Mixed company. Yeah. Because like the CFO at my company would have said exactly the same thing and <laughs> yeah. far, far worse. Well, I don't know about you guys, but have you, have you seen a picture of Chapek? <laughs> He's not exactly the uh, the epitome of svelte. Right. You know what I mean? So right. I don't know if he just eats at the parks the whole day, but. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's it. We're ready to get out of here. I think we did good. I think we did great. Jeremy, it was really good to have you on the show, man. I really appreciate oh, it. I couldn't. I was an absolute delight. And I can't wait to see you next week for In-Depth. I love In-Depth. <laughs> That's right. In-Depth uh, next Friday afternoon, guys. Friday, 1 oh. o'clock. Yeah, we've Weird. For you live listeners. Yeah. All right, here we go. Fact, fact of the show. Bill Evans, landscaping extraordinaire. He was the man who landscaped Disneyland. Uh, had learned a lot about landscaping, a theme park during his time transforming Disneyland. So when it came time to do the same for Walt Disney World, he was ready. He took 30 acres of land and started a tree nursery a full four years before the opening of Walt Disney World. This way he could save money on trees and not have to compromise on the size the way he had to in Disneyland. We've all seen those pictures of opening day where it's like, there are 14 twigs planted <laughs> down Main Street. Whatever. Disney World had a, a lot more mature trees on opening, so that was it was thanks to Bill smart. Evans. Yeah, four years before opening. That's, That's crazy. Awesome. Yeah, I love it. Cool. Alright, everybody. Thanks a lot for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Taryn, you did a great job. Jeremy, you did a great yes. job. Um, Chris Evans, if you ever hear this, don't worry about what Taryn says. I thought you were great in the role, man. Don't worry about it. It's fine. You'll you'll bounce back. Um, uh, whatever. Anyway, but Brie Larson. Sorry. Yeah, Brie Larson got to go. Cheese Larson. Goodbye. Yeah, I'm not 
not too thrilled on that one. Uh, anyway, thanks a lot, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, don't forget to ask for the 21st Amendment beers wherever you find good craft beer, like DCA. And until next time, we'll see you in the parks. <laughs>